Vivid Whisper presents Whisperling, Episode 9, Dragonology. No, 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 stupid, so stupid, I've ruined everything. I said I wouldn't lose anyone again, oh god. Hey, snap out of it. Oh god, oh god. Yeah, I don't know why I thought that would work. Patch climbed onto Quinn's knee. The room was still smoldering, and most of the fairies in the room were still jubilant. Quinn, you can do this. We haven't lost yet. Just think. Where is Scar still going? I don't know. Then what do we know? We... um... Okay, I'll start. Scar still is made of metal. And... it kind of looks like an owl. It breathes fire. Good. What else? It attacks at night. So it's probably nocturnal. Keep going. It's a monster. Looking more for facts? But keep going. It's a monster and it deserves to die. I'm an idiot for ever thinking we didn't need to kill it. Okay, we're getting off track. I know you can't tell me what Average said, but focus on it. Maybe you know the answer and you just haven't realized it yet. What had Average said? If Quinn made no effort to say it, she could just barely remember. It's not a dragon. It's reflective. It takes on the properties of the things it eats. What does it eat? What could it possibly eat that would make it look like that? Something clicked. It's nocturnal. It looks like an owl. It must have eaten an owl. Or owls. Where are there owls? Everywhere. There's a whole forest of them right outside. That's not helpful. It's hopeless. Um... It bleeds gasoline. Gas and metal. It must eat gasoline and metal. Where is there a lot of gasoline and metal? It must live somewhere far away. I have spies all over the place, and we've never found its hiding spot. You're not help- That's not true. You stopped spying on the forest because of Avarish. Well, sure. She kept spotting us and kicking us out. We don't bother when there's really strict security. Really strict security? The pieces fit together in a burst. The exact recipe. Oil, metal, fire, strict security, and violence. An image came into her mind. A plane with its cockpit torn clean off. Or bitten off. Of course. I know where it lives. Quinn ran for the window. She cut her hand on the broken glass, but she didn't care. She took the ladder rungs two at a time. Colonel! Colonel! Quinn, what's the matter? The airbase. That's where it's going. Take me to the airbase. The airbase? Are you sure? Yes. We need to go. Now. Well, hang on. We can't rush. I'll send some soldiers to infiltrate There's no time! Please! It took spark. We need to go now. Quinn, I can't just take you into an active... You promised! You would do anything if I needed it. I need this. Please. I really, really need to go. Right now. Okay. Get on. He turned around and knelt. His weapon reconfigured again into a sort of harness on his back, like a seat on a roller coaster. Quinn got in without questioning. This won't be comfortable. I don't care. He turned to one of the toy soldiers. The airbase. Follow my trail. He took off. The acceleration hit Quinn like a freight train and she gritted her teeth. Every step he took shook her up and down. She tried to wrap her bleeding hand in her pajama top, but it only stained it. She didn't care. The colonel would come to a row of houses and, instead of going around, would simply leap over them. Each time he did, she felt another bruise. She didn't care. At the height of his jumps, she felt she could see the whole town. She might have enjoyed it on any other day. Her mind raced as he ran for what felt like ages. What if she was wrong? What if Scarsteel had already eaten Sparks plush? It was too horrible to think about. And she wasn't wrong. She couldn't be. They ran through the town, they ran through the woods, and finally they came to a 30-foot fence protecting a row of hangars. The colonel crouched, and with one final, enormous leap, he cleared the fence. 
All right, we're here. Where is it? I don't know, but it has to be here somewhere. Let me put you down. No! Someone will see me if you're not carrying me. I'm invisible to them while you're carrying me. I think. Fine, but if we see it, I'm putting you down and you're running to hide. Okay. She didn't bother to decide if that was a lie or not. They started moving from hangar to hangar, checking each one. They saw planes, guards, weapons, but no dragon. Until... Colonel, you hear that? He nodded and the pair crept closer. Sure enough, they peeked into one of the hangars and, clinging to the rafters like a spider, was scar steel. It held itself in place with its bridge cable tentacles stretched across the entire hangar, wall to wall, floor to ceiling. Tangled in the web were gnomes, dryads, and, all the way up in the rafters, Quinn's backpack. Quinn! In the side pocket of her bag, she could just make out the fox plush and Spark's face poking out of it. She breathed a sigh of relief. Only then did she realize what they had just walked into. Scarsteel was so much bigger up close than she had imagined. Why is it coughing? I threw a fire extinguisher grenade in its mouth. You did what? It's like a ball that puts out fires. That's brilliant! Look at it! That did more to hurt it than my sword ever has! There are more! Where? My bag, up there! Spark waved. The colonel grinned and prepared himself to jump. Perfect. Don't stop! Quinn looked at Scarsteel. Amazingly, it hadn't noticed them yet. Its eyes were distinctly dimmer than before, though they seemed to be getting brighter. It knew it came from that bag, so it skewered the bag. If it sees you go for it again, it'll destroy it. It's too smart. I need to try. No. Put me down. I'll get the bag. You distract it. I want you to know that it's not safe to make me laugh right now. I'm serious. You can distract it. I can get to the bag. I just need to climb those stairs. I'm not putting you in that danger. Quinn struggled free from the harness on the colonel's back. You have a better idea? Give me a second. I don't think we have one. Quinn looked up. Scarcity was hanging upside down, staring directly at them. Its eyes flared. Run! Quinn didn't have time to react, but the colonel did. Unfolding his weapon, he swept Quinn behind him and knelt, raising his shield as Scarsteel dove straight for them. Again, the colonel's shield erupted in light, but Scarsteel did not let up. Pushing downward on the shield, pressing them into the ground, Quinn could barely fit under the shield without being crushed under the colonel's weight. Bridge cables lashed around them, swiping blindly towards them under the shield. One grazed Quinn's arm. Ah! Are you alright? What do we do? The shield erupted in light again. Once again, Scarsteel was undeterred. I think it's gotten used to the flashbang. Grab my back and hold up. Quinn couldn't really reach around his back, so she settled for his neck. Good enough. The colonel fired his rifle, launching him across the room like a rocket, skidding along the colonel's armor. The colonel crashed into the wall feet first, absorbing the shock and flipped over, landing on his hands and knees. Quinn dropped from his neck. It's more scared of me than it is of you. Run! Get the back! Quinn didn't even nod, but dove behind the stairway to hide. She spotted the townsfolk Scarsteel had kidnapped, helping each other to the exit. She looked around frantically for the bag. You all! Get out of here! I'm distracting it! Hey! Rustbeak! Scarsteel rose up into the air, its wings whirling around it. Even this close, Quinn couldn't be sure how many it had. At least six. Its eyes began to heat up further. Oh no, you don't! With another burst of speed, the colonel sprinted directly towards the monster, spinning into a slide underneath its cables. Scarsteel spun to aim at him as fire erupted from its jaws, but had gotten the way of its own blast. Its cables glowed orange from the heat, but didn't show any sign of pain. Quinn tried to focus. Quinn! Spark! 
She turned to find Spark next to her, clutching his plush between his teeth. He dropped it by her leg. We need to get out of here, now! Quinn glanced over to the colonel who was struggling from under the mess of cables again. He was favoring one leg. Those tricks he had just pulled must have undone days of repairs. I need to get my bag. Quinn, your homework is not important right now! No, Spark, it has the grenade! So what? We need to go, the colonel can take care of himself! No, Spark, he can't. She held Spark's gaze and he hung his head. Fine. It's over there. He pointed to the rafters across the hangar. Behind that big beam. Here. He nudged the plush over to her. Take this. She nodded and started climbing the stairs as quickly as she could without making too much noise. Scarsteel saw her going for the bag. Quinn winced as a massive bullet crashed through the ceiling. The guards outside wouldn't hear the fighting, but they'd probably notice a hole in the hangar. She reached the rafters and held on tight. She could see the bag. It wasn't even that far away. She just had to be careful. The colonel beat Scarsteel away, waving his sword in big sweeps like a baseball bat. He was kneeling again. Quinn wasn't sure he could even still stand. She couldn't think about that. She put one hand in front of the other, crawling along the beams towards her bag. She could see the hole where Scarsteel had punched through it, and the plastic bag filled with red balls. Another blast of fire, entirely enveloping the colonel. He pushed himself away, but barely. Quinn looked down and saw him, covered in burns, lying on his back. His weapon, burned to a crisp, lay discarded on the floor next to him. Finally, she reached the bag. She pawed through it hastily. Yes, the balls were there. It didn't even look like any of them had been broken. She couldn't say the same for her folders, punched clean through. Not important. She slung the backpack over one shoulder and slipped. She caught herself, hugging the beam, feet dangling freely in the air. She did not, however, catch the folders that slipped from her bag and fell open, allowing a rainfall of homework to flutter down to the floor, not ten feet from where the colonel lay. Scarsteel's gaze focused on her and its eyes roared with fire. No! Not her! On me! Attack me! It pounced upward, taking flight in an instant and barreling toward her. With no other options, Quinn let go of the beam and was enveloped in a tangled maelstrom of cables. No! She thought she'd be panicking, but she was actually enveloped in a cold calmness. She grabbed the rim of Scarsteel's eye. It was hot. She didn't care. She slipped her backpack down to her forearm and pushed herself up. The eye was glowing as brightly as she'd ever seen. Scarsteel crashed against the wall and Quinn was shaken loose. She skidded against the floor, the backpack sliding out of her grip. Scarsteel dove again. It opened its beak, an orange glow deep within. She crawled away, scrambling on her twisted ankle, bruised ribs, and bleeding hands. Not that it mattered. It was coming down too fast. Even a single one of those bridge cables would crush her rib cage in just a second when it got close. Quinn saw a spark in the far corner of the room. He'd shoved a box down from a pile, crashing it open. It was filled with ammo shells. Scarsteel turned, just for a moment, to look at him. Quinn continued to scramble towards her bag. I hear you're getting smarter. If you're so smart, why can't you say anything besides scraw? The reflective actually seemed to focus on Spark. Could it tell he was insulting it? She was just a foot away from the backpack now. The grenades had spilled out, littering the floor around it. Who told you that's what eyes look like? Those look more like those hot air things. What are those called? You know, the laundry things? I guess you would know. You're just a dumb bird. She grabbed a fire extinguisher grenade in a bloody hand just as a fireball erupted from Scarsteel's mouth, rocketing towards Spark. The pile of crates exploded in a blinding flash, blasting open the door to the hangar. Scarsteel recoiled from the blast, and Quinn struggled to maintain her footing. Hey! Scarsteel! Catch! She lobbed the grenade as hard as she could, stooping down to pick up and throw some more. The monster dove toward her again. The first one bounced, but the second and third landed straight in its beak. 
Scarsteel recoiled, rearing up in pain and fear. It lost altitude and plunged to the ground. I am sick and tired of you! She threw one grenade after another into Scarsteel's eyes. Scarsteel lay motionless on the ground. As Quinn crept closer to it, she could make out the faintest flicker of light in its eyes. Spark, are you okay? Awesome. Spark spoke from the plush in her back pocket. Quinn looked at the enormous dragon in front of her. The explosion had blasted a huge hole in the hangar wall out into the night sky. Through the hole poured moonlight, streaking across the floor, past scar steel shining on the colonel, leaving the dragon in shadow. Quinn thought about the avarice for just a moment, then lifted her backpack. It was empty, but for five more grenades. She paused next to the reflective's eye shaft, hesitated, then upended the backpack into the creature's eye. Is it dead? What the hell is going on here? Quinn turned lethargically to see an entire garrison of guards, all armed, staring at her from the blasted open door. Some had their guns raised, but most lowered them when they saw her. She raised her hands in the air anyway. Who are you? How did you get in here? What what happened to the door? Um... She looked around at the scene the guards couldn't see. Scarsteel lay motionless. The colonel was struggling to breathe. I said, who are you? I... Quinn heard a tapping sound and turned her head. In the corner of the blasted hole was a single toy soldier, its polished, unmarked cylinder of a head poking up at her. It disappeared quickly. Hey, I'm not gonna hurt you. You need to come with us. A swarm of toy soldiers burst in, a wave that covered the ground and swept towards Quinn and the colonel. She felt a dozen of them lift her up, letting her sit on them like a bed. What the hell? From the look on the guards' faces, she must have turned invisible. Several guards lifted their guns. Don't! Lower your weapons! What the hell? As the guards startled at Quinn's sudden disappearance, the swarm worked around their feet. It seemed like they were determined to carry not only her and the colonel, but even Scarsteel's body out of the base. It was a bumpy way to travel, but they carried her out of the hangar and all the way to the fence, where a conspicuous hole had been cut. The gnomes they had rescued were huddled there and cheered when they saw her alive. Thank you. Colonel, are you okay? <clears throat> he gave her a weak thumbs up before slumping over. They all could tell what had happened. An entourage of toy soldiers walked home with Quinn, Spark, and the gnomes. The remainder carried the colonel and the dragon, but they fell behind quickly. It was a long walk back for Quinn, through the woods and along the roads, without the colonel to carry her. Oh my god. Oh my god, Quinn, we did it! Yeah. We did it! We're heroes! Is that what being a hero feels like? Spark fell quiet. Thank you for saving me. Save you? I just wanted my backpack back. She smiled at him reassuringly. You're welcome. Speaking of which, I guess you'll need a new backpack now. Good thing the school year's almost over. Did it have anything important in it? Nah, nothing at all. I mean, a bunch of books, but whatever. And the grenades, I guess. We'll deal with that later. They had just made it back to town when Quinn noticed the sky growing lighter. Oh no. She picked up the pace, but there was still a while to go, and her ankle still hurt. I don't have my phone. What time is it? I don't know. They plodded on until Quinn couldn't even tell if her ankle hurt anymore. They saw the flashing red and blue lights before they even turned the last corner. There were police cars all up and down her block. She could see police officers in her room through the huge hole that used to be a window. Oh no. 
She tried to hurry toward her house, but her legs refused to move any faster. She spotted Andrea sitting on the front steps as a police officer tried to comfort her. Quinn? Quinn! Andrea rushed from halfway down the block and hugged her in the middle of the road. Quinn took a moment, then hugged back. What happened to you? I'm sorry. The cold determination that had held her before finally receded. Something inside her snapped as she started to sob. It's okay. It hit her anew how much her legs hurt, how sore her ankle was. Had she been limping that whole walk? There was still a bloody cut on her right hand and scratch marks on her arms. Her pajamas were filthy and tattered. The police tried to get a statement, but Andrea shooed them away. No. You can question her in the morning. Let her get some rest. And, at long last, at the end of the worst day of her entire life, Quinn went to bed. On the couch. In the daylight. With a squad of police cars outside. She lay with a fox plush held tightly in her arms. Hey, Spark? Yeah? That thing you said about telling people, it's... I never... I was never totally sure, I think, that it was real. I mean, you... You're real. I mean, you're like a brother to me. But I wasn't... Sure. And I was afraid to tell anyone, because... What if instead of me proving it was real, they proved to me it wasn't? I didn't want that to happen. I understand. I don't think I'm worried about that anymore. No kidding. I'm sorry I never told you. I was afraid you might be offended. I'll survive. We're apparently pretty good at that. I love you. I love you too, sister. Jenna Corvin. Come on, come on, come on! Why isn't she responding? Maybe she's sick. She could at least look at her phone. Come on, she has to be here today. Hope she's okay. Yeah, of course. Jen typed into her phone, Are you okay? before hiding it back in her pocket. Dominic ate trepidatiously. How are we supposed to catch him without the grenades? Dominic shrugged, infuriatingly noncommittal. Damn it. Shouldn't have given them to her. Jen had gotten Quinn's text about Zane's gas-filled water bottle the previous night, and, sure enough, this morning she had seen a black water bottle in his backpack. Not only that, but today his hair was draped even further across his face than usual. Okay, we need a new plan in case she doesn't write back. Tell the teachers? He has gas in his water bottle. They'd never believe us. How do you know? I thought you were down for helping catch him ourselves. Dominic frowned and shrugged, again. Okay, what is it? What? You've been acting really weird. What's wrong? Why do I get the feeling you're mad at me? I'm not mad at you. But... I'm not mad at you. You've barely said a word to me for days. That's not true. Come on, you can tell me. Why haven't you been talking to me? 
Dominic tried to look away, but Jen didn't let the silence break. He tried to beat Zane up. What? I know, I know. He's trying to frame you for arson, and so he deserves to be caught, but when he tried to beat him up, do you even want to catch him or just hurt him? Oh, come on. You heard the things he was saying? He And they were horrible. But don't beat him up. And definitely don't use me as an excuse to beat him up just because he insulted my mother. I never asked you to do that. And now you're having a smuggle fire extinguishers into school? It's so reckless. Smuggling fire extinguishers isn't reckless. I could have smuggled in firecrackers. That would have been reckless. Jen, you're not listening. You're the strongest person I know, but you really frighten me. And Quinn's been acting... I'm afraid she's also... What? Never mind. I'm sorry, I have to go. Dominic rushed off, and for once Jen didn't feel like chasing him down. Why did this have to happen now? They were so close. Zane was going to strike that day. She had never been more certain of anything. All she had to do was catch him. Problem solved. Dominic would work his issues out, and everything would go back to normal. She just had to figure out how she was going to catch Zane. She spent the day looking over her shoulder, trying to spot him every moment she could. But she didn't want him to think she was onto him, either. She just had to be ready. Jen's next class was chemistry. Sadly, they did not learn how to make fire extinguisher grenades. School really was useless. She kept making eye contact with Mike across the room. What did he want? She tried to focus, but her eyes kept drifting to the door. After class, Mike waited outside the room for her. Jen, hey. Hi. What is it? I... Quinn told me about the arsonist. Seriously? We are in a crowded hallway. Don't say that word. Fair enough. She told me the arsonist... It was some guy named Zane. She said you were trying to catch him in the act. Oh, did she? That's nice. I want to help. Oh, that's sweet. Stay out of my way and never tell anyone anything. Mike tried to interrupt, but Jen was already walking away. The idiot was always trying to fix things, completely missing the point. At least he probably wasn't trying to trap her. Steven might do that. Mike at least thinks he's a good guy. Jen kept seeing Zane in the hall. Sometimes they even locked eyes. When the bell rang to signal the end of the last period, she refused to believe it. They had solved it. They knew his tell. Why hadn't he struck yet? She brooded as she opened her locker and made her way to detention when, much to her displeasure, Stephen fell into step beside her. Hey. Hey. Where are you off to? Disneyland. What? It's a joke. Where do you think I'm going? What? Uh, no, I-, I know you are. I was joking too. I know. I guess we both screwed that up. That's one way to put it. The joke, I mean. What do you want? I don't know. We're both going to detention. Thought we may as well walk together. Hmm. Jen's mind started racing to see what kind of trap this could be. Yo, that was pretty cool. I've told better jokes. No, I mean when you punched that kid. That's random. Zane? That was like two weeks ago. What about him? Nothing. Just... He deserved it. I should have helped you. Yesterday, some of us found him again in the yard to make up for it. Little bitch. Okay. Thought you'd be happy. Whatever. He deserves it. Sure does. I could tell him right now, Jen thought. Tell Stephen it was Zane who set the fires. He'd probably believe it. Then he'd start spreading the rumor Zane might even get caught. But screw that. Zane was framing her. She wanted to be the one to bring him down. Anyway, 
You're still pretty cool. You know? Jen stopped dead in her tracks, flabbergasted. She shook it off quickly and kept walking. You good? What? That was cool, all I'm saying. Maybe you should hang out with us again. We could get that guy again together. <laughs> oh, wow. Amazing. Really incredible. Just like that, we're friends again? I don't know. Who knew all I had to do to get you to give a shit about me was beat up a kid half my size? Okay, jeez, never mind. Keep hanging out with the losers. Did you know I was called into the principal's office after the first fire? Literally, the day after. Your rumor spread pretty fast. Then, after the second fire, I was called in again. Oh, is this about that? Look. Shut up. They didn't have any evidence, of course, because I was innocent, but... I don't know if you know this, Stephen. I only told you 50 times back when I thought we were friends, but this school has been looking for a reason to kick me out ever since I sued them, so they kept moving. And because you spread that rumor so damn well, they didn't give up, but they didn't have anything until you picked a fight with me at the museum. Oh, come on. And now, sure, we're both in detention, but that gave them the perfect excuse, and now I've been dropped from the shortlist for the scholarship. Remember that? Oh, shit. Yep. I was gonna skip two grades and get a free ride to any private school in the state. And thanks to you, that's gone. So yeah, I hate Zane. But beating him up maybe isn't going to convince me you're suddenly a good person and I should forgive you. No, shut up. This is the same shit you were saying last year. Nothing's ever your fault. Everyone's always out to get you. It's all a vast conspiracy against you. Because what? Because you think you're a girl? I'm done. For once, at least in front of the detention teacher, she wouldn't let him provoke her. She walked into detention, and as usual, Stevens took the seat furthest from her. She sat and squirmed under the watchful eye of Ms. Palmer, prison guard for the day. She thought Dominic might be proud of her. She hadn't even punched Steven once. Her brain was in turmoil as she rested her head and elbows on her homework and stared out the door. She was as determined as ever. Sure, she had been dropped from the scholarship because they thought the crazy trans girl was an arsonist, but if she was the one who caught the real arsonist, they'd have no choice but to put her back. Thoughts and plans tumbled in her head. What had they missed? Why was Steven such a prick? If they couldn't use the water bottle, what else could they use? Why was Steven such a terrible person? Could Zane have suddenly decided he was thirsty? That didn't make any sense. Why was Steven such an enormous? Then Zane walked past the doorway. They locked eyes. He was clutching his water bottle nervously in both hands, and there was a slip of paper in his pocket. There was something weird with his face. Weirder than usual. He pretended he hadn't seen her and scampered away. I knew it! What did you say? Can I use the bathroom? Fine. She waited a second before stepping out into the hallway. Zane was just heading into the stairwell. Perfect. She prowled behind him, making sure not to let him see her. She texted Dominic, I think he's doing it, third floor. Hopefully he wasn't too upset to care. Still, she wasn't entirely shocked she'd have to do this alone. She tried not to blame Quinn for not being there. Really, it was her own fault. Should have known better than to rely on someone else. She opened the door to the third floor hallway and crept out. The door to the bathroom swung closed. Jen? She turned and glared at Mike, watching her from down the hall. Go away. Was that Zane? Go away, I can handle this. He took the hint, turning and hurrying away. Finally. The irony of what she was about to do occurred to her, but she braced herself and, after waiting just a minute, swung open the door to the boys' bathroom. There stood Zane, lit match in one hand, open water bottle in the other. 
The garbage can, the walls, and floor were drenched and reeked of gasoline. Got you. Zane whirled around when he heard the door open. As if by accident, he dropped the match into the garbage can. It caught fire immediately. Jen held up her arms as a wave of heat struck her, and Zane was already barreling past her through the door out into the hallway. She slipped off her backpack to run faster. Bastard, get back here! What do you want? They were sprinting now. Zane skidded as he turned the corner, almost losing his balance. Jen did the same to pursue him, but was decked in the face by his water bottle thrown absently behind him. It hurt, but mostly just startled her, and she took a moment to grab it. Evidence! Finally, she took off running after him again. Jen was surprised at how fast he was. Even with his heavy black backpack and his significantly shorter legs than her own, she was barely even gaining on him. He crashed through the door to the stairwell and bounded down the steps, but she could jump faster than him, and as he turned down the next flight, she grabbed the handle of his bag and whirled him around, forcing him onto the railing of the stairs. She held him by the scruff of his hoodie and pushed him so his back arched over the railing. His hair fell off of his face and she could see him clearly. His top lip was swollen and there were cuts on his cheeks, bruises on his neck, and one small but pronounced black eye. Stephen and Mike had done a number on him. She didn't care. Let go of me! I got you. I got you. Let go! It's over. I caught you. Now everyone can see you've been framing me. Framing you? It has nothing to do with you. Selfish bitch. Liar. We're gonna find a teacher right now, and I'm gonna show them it was you. Zane stopped struggling for a moment and laughed. <laughs> How stupid are you? She had to admire his balls, insulting her since she just caught him dead to rights and held him pinned. She shoved him against the railing, knocking the wind out of him. I caught you red-handed. Sure you did. He ducked around her arm, twisting it, and stomped on her foot. She recoiled in pain and surprise, and he jumped down an entire flight of stairs. She regained her balance and was just about to charge after him when the door from the floor above swung open. Jen? For just a brief moment, Zane held Jen's gaze. He narrowed his eyes and shook his head like the arrogant scumbag he was. She growled and pounced after him as Ms. Palmer circled the stairwell to see her. Jen, stop. Zane had already disappeared down the stairs. Jen turned to look and saw not only Ms. Palmer, but two other teachers, a security guard, and Mike, standing between them, a look of horror on his face. He's getting away! Jen! His name is Zane Walter. I caught him in the bathroom. This is his water bottle. Jen, just stop it! The security guard grabbed her. Let go of me! It's okay. She's not going to run. She's too smart for that. What are you talking about? He's getting a- She froze. Of course. She was carrying a water bottle that smelled like gasoline. She had been seen by Mike entering the boys' bathroom, and by who knows how many people sprinting after some random kid, a kid covered in bruises no less, leaving it. One thing was clear, she had underestimated her opponent. It occurred to her that she could run, but Ms. Palmer was right, she wouldn't. Not because she was too smart, although she was, but because she was Jenna Corvin. She never ran. Thank you for listening to Vivid Whisper's production of Whisperling. Whisperling was written, produced, directed, and narrated by Oliver Lipton. Featuring, in order of appearance, Matthew Allen West as Spark, Alex Kingsley as Quinn Bell, Maya Murphy as Jenna Corvin, Ryan Biggs as Dominic Cassiano, Derek Powell as Stephen Hartman, Christopher McIntyre as Mike Graham, Casey Reardon as Mayor Bluebulb, Callie J. Cox as Andrea Green, Owen Carton as Zane Walter, Ben DeLamorens as Sam Bell, Stephen Campbell as The Colonel, April J. Barber as Patch, 
Eva Cantor as Pumpkin, Rook Mogavero as Tour Guide, Janelle Lutz as Ms. Palmer, Claire McElway as the Witch of Avarish, Cooper Fay as Captain Thomas and Soldier. Sound design and music by Oliver Lipton. Illustration and cover art was done by Alexa Cassaro. Alexandria Nolte was the production assistant. 